0: If we were to uh, take a survey out around the community, um, maybe even here in the church, uh, asking people what they think that the church is or what they think about it, uh, we would do you know what uh, people like the Pew Research Group does or the Barna Research Group, uh, and we just ask those questions. Uh, probably a frequent response would be, uh, "Well, church is a place you go to worship." A church is a a gathering of people like-minded. It's a a faith fellowship or community. You'd probably hear things like, um, it's where you go for a religious service. Um, And what would come out time and time again is something about it being um, a special building or a meeting place, a specific location. And unfortunately, uh, an increasingly common response to that kind of 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 question is that people identify as being followers of Christ and as people that love Jesus, but they don't like the church at all. It's becoming increasingly popular for people to say that. Uh, I've heard it myself uh, a few times here and there, various places, various times, and uh, if you did any type of research yourself on um, people's opinion of, of the church and why they, they don't go or why they're not part of it and where they fall in line with their beliefs, um, more and more you're hearing things like that. Well, I love Jesus. I even consider myself a follower of Jesus. Okay, do you go to church? No. No, I hate the church. And... I think that that's an extremely sad response and an in, in just an incredibly sad reality. But I also think it's a completely contradictory statement. It's a, it's a total contradiction. If someone were to say, I love Jesus and I'm a Jesus follower, but I don't like the church at all and I want nothing to do with it and I avoid it at all costs, it's a total contradiction. Because you can't separate... Christianity from the church can't separate it can't happen you can't do that because of how much Jesus loves and values the church in Ephesians five twenty-five, 25 uh, the apostle Paul said Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it the measure of Christ's love for the church was actually to the extent that he was willing to lay down his life, to give his life for the church. The, the whole reason we have a church, or the church, the whole reason we have the body of Christ at all, is because Jesus Christ gave his body. He allowed his body to be given up and, and to be broken. He gave his life to birth the church. That's how the church came about. It wouldn't have come about if it weren't for the fact that our Savior actually died for it. So you can't separate Christianity from the church because of how much Jesus himself loves and values it. And that means if you really love Jesus, then you will love the church he loves. If you really love Jesus, you're going to love the church he loves. But let's step back a second and and look at this thing called the church. Does Jesus love the church and value it so much because it's just so lovable? Does Jesus love and value the church because it just gets everything right all the time and it brings so much to the table, it contributes so much to his agenda, to his purpose, and it's just always in line with what he wants? Is that why Jesus loves and values the church? Does Jesus love and value the church because, like him, It's perfect. Of course not. The answer to all that is no. Because the church is full of broken, messed up, sinful, in need of constant grace human beings. And often what happens in our society is that... um, person going to this church over here. They're there for a while, but then something happens along the way and they don't like it. They get offended. They get hurt. They get wounded. And so they leave that church going over here across the fence where to them, the grass looks really, really green. And they think, okay, I'm going to finally find the perfect church for me. Not only does that not happen, because that church is also full of messy, messed up, sin-filled, grace-needing people, just like this one over there, but even if it were, let's just say for argument's sake, they did finally find that perfect church. That perfection would last all of two seconds because as soon as they came through the door, it would cease to be perfect. So, Jesus doesn't love and value the church because of how lovable it is and how easy to love that it is. He doesn't love it because it just gets all the things right all the time. It's always in line with his will. It's always carrying out his purpose. He doesn't love it because it's perfect, and yet he loves it. Yet he loves it so much that if it needed to happen, he would go back to the cross to redeem it. birth it all over again if he had to. He doesn't, thankfully. He loves it despite its own weakness. He loves the church despite its own failure. He loves the church in spite of its overwhelming humanity. And that means, church, we should love it as well. We should find value in it as well. We should contribute to it as well, participate in it, and be engaged in all that it's meant to be. And you also can't separate Christianity from the church because to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, is to be spiritually joined to Jesus as part of his body. There's an inseparable union between the church and its Savior and Chief Shepherd, inseparable union can never separate the two. So, I mean, that's why saying something like, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church, just isn't going to work. There's just nothing about that that's going to work. It's totally illogical, and it's, it's completely contradictory, and it's exactly the opposite of what Christ would want for any of his followers. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this, Now you, speaking to Christians, followers of Christ... Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Is that true of you today? Well, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior, if He truly is your Lord, then that's true of you. You're part of His body. And His body is manifested here on earth in this life through the church. So you're part of that. And therefore, you need to love it. You need to value it. You need to contribute to it. You need to participate in it. And this series that we're just starting today, Body and Bride, it's the first series under our new theme for the year where we're going to hopefully seek and strive to truly have 2020 vision, a clear vision for His church, for Christ's church and our lives. And in the first half of this series, we're going to talk about what it means for the church to be the body of Christ and what's necessary for that to be lived out. And as we do, we need to get something straight. Attending church, which you're doing right now, you're attending church today. I'm glad you did. Thankful you did. Whether you're thankful or not, well, I'm not even going to touch that. I hope you are. I am thankful that you've chosen to attend. But attending church does not automatically make you part of the church. Attending church does not automatically make you part of the church. You coming in those doors at Faith Baptist Church, sitting in a chair, even if you've done that week in and week out for years or you've attended other churches throughout your life, that in itself does not automatically make you part of the body of Christ. It doesn't just magically occur once you set through the doors. There's, there's no potion or anything. There's no switch that makes that happen. Being in Christ, that's what makes you part of His church. And I'm going to tell you something else. The enemy, Satan, he has no problem with the church, the institution, I mean, the organization. He has no problem with us putting up buildings and giving a name to it at such and such church. He has no problem with you coming in through the doors and sitting in a chair. Because what he knows is that for a long time he's... Put a strategy to work that's worked very well. And that is that he has convinced millions and millions of people through every year, every age, every decade, century after century, that just coming through the doors of a church is enough for you. He's convinced all kinds of people that all it really takes to be a Christian is going to church, attending it, singing the songs. Putting a few dollars in that plate that is passed around. He's convinced many, many people that that's all that it takes and all that it means for someone to be a Christian. And so, what we've had all through our society is year after year, individual after individual, family after family, generation after generation that really believe they're completely fine before God and with God because of their church attendance. And so if you were to ask someone, are you a Christian? They'd say, sure. And you'd say, oh, well, what makes you so sure? What makes you confident in that? What are you basing that on? And many, many, many times the answer is something along the lines of, well, because I've always gone to church or because I go to such and such a church. I've had conversations with people where I say, hey, um, how is your relationship with Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? And they'll say, oh, I, I'm fine. I'm good with God. Really? Great. How, why do you say that? What are you basing that on? Oh, I go to, over here to that church over there. And, I, and sometimes I'll, I'll have said, well, that's great, but that's not what I asked. <laughs> I asked, do you know Jesus? See your Savior to your lord that's see that's what makes you part of his body that's what actually makes you part of Christ's church that you're in him that you've given him your life that you've received his life in your own that he is the savior and lord of your life that's that's what makes you part of the church church so what that means then if you are a christian a real genuine christian one who has surrendered their life to jesus then you don't just attend church. You are the church. If you're in Christ Jesus today, you are the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means attending the church, while important, does not define what it means to be a Christian for you. And it, and it means that, that it goes beyond the physical. It goes beyond the temporal. You are the church. Now, make sure you hear me on this. Just to be clear, that doesn't mean that the, the corporate organized gathering isn't important too and shouldn't be a priority for us. Don't go home thinking, hey, the pastor said I don't have to ever come to church anymore. That's not what I'm saying. Right? What we're doing here, what we do every. Every week is important. It's absolutely necessary for your growth and for building that community. It's, it's necessary for our fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's necessary for our accountability. It's necessary for us to develop iron, sharpening iron. It's necessary for us to come together and together worship and praise our King, our Savior, our Chief Shepherd, our Head. All of that's necessary. So I'm not saying that the organized gathering should not be a priority, not at all. After all, Hebrews 10.25 commands us to not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, "...but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near." In other words, as the the hourglass continues to drop sand down, as time continues to march on, as we get further and further along in this timeline of history, and as we get closer to the coming again of our Savior and King, as that great day approaches, we shouldn't neglect meeting together organized as the body. Rather, all the more. We should be looking for more and more opportunity." So I'm not saying it's not important, but what I am saying is that being the church is about more than where and how the church gathers and meets. It's about more than that. You guys remember the old um, children's rhyme about church, what you did with your hands? You guys remember that? Where you you put your fingers down, oh, you know what, let's just do that, let's just do it together together. Put your fingers, lock them facing down. Put your your index fingers up. Put your thumbs like that. And you know what it says. Here is the church, and here is the steeple. Open up the doors and see all the people. And it's all cute and everything. And we tell our kids that... And unfortunately, we keep ingraining that into our minds, and so that we get to adulthood and we still have that mindset. Oh, this is the church. It's all about that building and that steeple, right? I really think we should probably change the rhyme to there may be a building, there may be a steeple, but to really see the church, you have to look at the people. I think that's what we should change it to, but I don't know. It, it probably won't happen. Being the church is about more than where and how the church gathers and meets. It's about a lot more than that. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks slaves or free that that encompasses everybody okay and all were made to drink of one spirit verse 14 for the body does not consist of one member But of many, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And here's a good companion statement found in Romans twelve, four through five. There the Apostle Paul says this for as in one body we have many members, and the, the members do not all have the same function, so we, speaking of the body of Christ, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Many yet one. Many different functions and roles and different gifts, but one body united as Christ's hands and feet on this earth, having his heart and his mind carrying out his agenda and desires. That's how it's supposed to be. That's what the body of Christ is intended for. That's how it's supposed to look and function. And that sounds... Good, right? I mean, that sounds nice, and, and I think we probably all agree with that and say, "Yep, that's right. Sounds good." Amen. But let me ask you this: You guys know what the eighty twenty principle is? Who who knows what the eighty twenty principle is? Okay, several of you. That's what I thought. Yeah. So the eighty twenty principle—it's not something that's just related to uh, the ministry or, or the church, but it certainly applies. Um, And in the context of ministry in in a local church, the 80-20 principle uh, means this, that 80% of what needs to happen, what gets done in in that local church, in that ministry, uh, is typically done by only 20% of its members. And I have been part of church world my whole life. I was one of those kids that, you know, had no choice in the matter. I'm thankful for that, by the way, that I was, you know, in church whenever the doors were open. That, that cliche proved true for me. And uh, so I grew up in church, and then after that, I ended up, uh, you know, going into church work, quote, quote, as, as my vocation, and I've been at it a long time, been in different churches, different states, and... Um, what I have seen throughout all those experiences is that this principle is lived out every single time. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. You can go to any church and any size church, and chances are you talk to the leadership and they'll say, yeah, unfortunately, that's a problem that we just haven't been able to overcome. And maybe it's not quite to that degree, the disparity may not be that extreme, but some type of that statistic will be seen throughout just about every church. Throughout every church in America, throughout the Western church, especially. So 80% of what needs to happen in a local church setting, in that ministry, for it to function, for it to be effective, for it to thrive, for it to meet its obligations and responsibilities, for it to actually carry out ministry, all the moving parts, all the things that go in to really making any local specific body thrive and be effective, 80% of that often is done by only 20% of its members. And um, I'll tell you very plainly, I mean, that's, that's pretty much the case here, too. It's pretty much the case here. And I, I'm not saying all that to try to just hammer you with judgment or any of that. I'm saying that because that obviously shows a disconnect, where we will hear scriptures like I just read, and we'll agree with it, and we'll intellectually be on the same page, and we'll say, yes, that's right, amen, that's the church. But then, we continue to go about living out, being part of the church, in such a way that this is often the case, that it's an 80-20 dynamic. And I really believe that's because of a couple main factors. I think the reason that that happens so much, and again, this is not something that's just here at this church. It's, you go anywhere and you're going to find it. And I think it's because along the way people believed that because according to them, the way they felt and the way they looked at things, they weren't as skilled or as intelligent, as wise, as gifted, as far along in their Christian walk as so-and-so over here, so-and-so over there, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Man, they, they're the ones that uh, are really just They're at the top of their game. Man, they're the ones that they have all the gifting. Look at them, what they're able to do. Look at how talented they are. I I can't even compare to that. And so convincing themselves of that, people have kind of just crept back into the shadows. And they still go to church. They're still there every week. They participate in the, the ministries of the church. Participating, though, rather than engaging with and again, it's, I think a lot of it is because of this inferiority complex that they have developed, also maybe a sense of pride. And if it's not that, then I think you could probably point to a lot of different examples of people that uh, at one time were all in, they were completely engaged and connected with the church, not just attending, but actually contributing, being an active part of what was going on, but somewhere along the line, they got hurt, they got offended, And so they said, they made a a covenant with themselves, I will never serve in leadership, or I will never uh, take ownership in any specific ministry ever again because it just went so bad, I don't ever want to see that happen again. And so they build up this wall around their heart, around their mind, and they don't ever get engaged beyond that. I think another factor is that because many churches by necessity, have multiple staff. You know, they have church staff, um, which I'm a fan of, I'm thankful for. I love my staff, love serving the Lord with them, and uh, certainly you see the benefit of it. But the, the small and yet very undeniable downside is that whenever a church has a church staff, the temptation for the church is to just let it be the staff that does everything. That all the work of the ministry, all the things that need to happen for that ministry to thrive, not just to exist, but to thrive, the the things that are needed to propel that ministry forward in Christ's vision for His church, the things that are needed to really make it a fully functioning, effective body, all that gets just put over on the staff because after all, That's what they're there for, right? That's why we have a staff. That's why we pay the staff. So that they do the work and we're here just supporting it and participating with them. But, you know, they're the leaders and they're the ones that actually do the work itself. And whether or not anybody would ever admit that or say that out loud, often if we would dig deep, we would find that that's, that's the mindset. The reason I don't jump into this ministry over here or that ministry over there. The reason I'm not more plugged in, the reason I do just come in and I sit in my chair every week and I sing the songs, maybe, if I know it or if I like it, and the reason I may get a little bit involved but not too much is, is because, hey, it's covered. They've got a staff. But here's what God's Word has to say about that, about that mindset. And it really speaks to that whole 80-20 principle of, of 80% of what needs done being done by 20% of the people or less. It speaks to letting it be done by the clergy, letting ministry happen on the backs and arms exclusively of the pastors. It says this And he, speaking of Jesus, gave, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. To equip. Why does Paul say in Ephesians 4.11 that Jesus gave these offices, these people, these pastoral ministers to the church? These apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers? Verse 12 says, He gave them to the church to equip the saints, the church, the members of the body, for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ. So, what that means is the Lord Jesus instituted the the office of elder, the pastoral office. The spiritual leader. He he instituted that and gave that and implemented that into the church, not so that they would do all the work of the ministry of that church, rather so that they would equip and empower and and give you the enablement as the members of the body to do the work of the ministry. That is our primary role as your pastors. Pastors. It's not to do everything that needs to be done or that we should be doing to carry out the vision of Jesus for His church in this corner of His kingdom. It's not it. It's so that we will give you the instruction, that we will give you the guidance, that we will give you the encouragement, that we will give you the resources, that we will help you develop your own giftingness to do the work of the ministry, to carry out the vision that Christ has for His church, to build up the body of Christ. Kind of like the concept of, of a coach of any sports team. I mean, the coach isn't out there on the court or out there on the field playing the game, making the plays happen. The coach is behind all of his players, guiding them and instructing them and molding them and shaping them so that when they go out on the field or on the court, they live out what they're supposed to. They, they meet their potential. They carry out the purpose of that team. That's how it's supposed to work in the church, church. What every Christian needs to realize, and remember, every Christian, if you have just recently given your life to Christ and you're a baby, baby Christian, or you are a senior saint in the body of Christ and you've been saved most of your life, decade after decade, it doesn't matter, every Christian needs to realize and remember this that we weren't saved just to sit in a service. We were saved to serve the King. And also, we weren't saved to be entertained. We were saved to engage in the work of the kingdom. That's what we need to remember. Because we forget. We forget so easily and so frequently. And we we allow ourselves totally without intention most of the time to kind of get lulled to sleep, to grow cold, to become apathetic, to become weak, fat, lazy Christians. We allow it to happen. We come in those doors and we sit in our chair and we do the church thing. We do our religious duty. You know, we go through the, the motions and the practices and, and we do all those things and we allow ourselves to view the church through the lens of all the things we do, all the elements of our service and all the gatherings. And we, we attach our identity as the church to the building we come in and occupy. But we weren't saved to just sit in a service, no matter how important those services are. And they are. Our our time of gathering is important. But we weren't saved to just sit. We were saved to serve our king. We weren't saved to be entertained. We weren't saved to come in, file in, sit down there, sit back and say, okay, give it your best shot. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Pour into me. Here's my spoon. I'm just going to keep spooning it in. Entertain me. And if I'm not... Uh, adequately, spiritually entertained to my standard, to my preference, well then um, I may just go and try somewhere else and convince myself that the grass is greener, when in fact it's not, it's just grass. But that, that's what we easily do. Uh, we, we allow ourselves to have such a mindset as, as that, that we just come in, we sit in a service, and that's good. That's what it means to be part of the church, and we come in and we get entertained a little bit, we get our spiritual thermometer filled up a little bit, and that's, that's it, that's being the church. But no, no, that's, that's not how it's meant to be, that's not the intention. The church is meant to be a body working together with different members, different gifts and different talents, all contributing together all doing the work of evangelism, going out there, outside of these walls, outside of the, these rooms, and, and sharing the truth and hope and joy and reality of Jesus Christ that we have with others who don't. So it's the whole church doing the work of evangelism. It's not a few pastors. It's the whole church doing the work of discipleship. Once those people are reached with the gospel, once they come into the family of God, once they become part of the body of Christ, then it's up to all the rest of the body to pour into those, to disciple them, to raise raise them up, and grow them up in the knowledge of our Savior and Lord. It's up to the whole church to encourage one another. It's up to the whole body to pray for one another and bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's up to the whole body to contribute with the resources that we have, small or great, to give through this local body to the overall body of Christ and the kingdom of Christ. It's not about just a couple here and a couple there or letting the few people who have always done that ministry keep on doing it because, man, they're just doing such a great job and I don't want to throw off their, their system or their groove. No, it's about the whole body jumping in, saying, I have been given a gift at the moment of my salvation. I've been not just bought and redeemed and put into the body of Christ, but I have been gifted by the Holy Spirit in specific ways to impact that body and the kingdom. And I'm going to do it. It's recognizing I may not have the, the gifting as, as brother so-and-so over here. I may not have the same gift, but that's okay because they don't have the gift I've got. And I can contribute... In a way that they can't. What it means, church, is we need each other. We need each other. Your church needs you. And you need them. For the church to be effective. To really thrive. To be a picture of what Jesus sees. That's our theme for the year. 2020 vision. A clear vision. For his church in our lives. To really be a picture of what Jesus sees. And, and for people outside to see Jesus in us. Which, by the way, is one of the top goals and priorities of the church. For them to see Jesus in us. For that to happen, we need all hands on deck. All hands on deck. That's what we need to be effective and to really thrive. All the individual parts working together, like the the gears of a clock, all feeding into each other, all working at the same time. Different pieces, different parts, but all working together for that to function properly. All like the little parts of an engine. An engine has so many little parts to it, so many aspects to an engine to make the engine work. It's how it needs to be at the church, it's how it needs to be with the church. All the individual parts and aspects, all the different gifts and talents, all coming together with all the different roles and functions for the ultimate good of all involved. For the ultimate fulfillment of Christ's intention and desire for the church. Hopefully when you came in this morning, you were given a little puzzle piece. If you have that, hold it up in your hand. If you got your little puzzle piece. If you didn't get one or you lost it, it's okay. The basket's still out there and there's plenty left. Okay. Now, uh, I have done this before. I, I gave this little illustration before a couple years ago. If you've been with us a while... You probably heard it. Uh, if you forgot, now maybe you'll remember. Uh, maybe some of you still have it. I know a couple of people who who do and said that they really enjoyed it and it's it's been something that they've gone back to and God has used in their mind to remind them, yeah, I am part of the body. I'm not just here to attend. I'm not just here to sit back and soak it all up. I'm not here to just let everybody else do it. I, I'm a part of what happens here. I am a part of the ministry. I am a part of the body. And just like... A puzzle is infuriating if you don't have all the pieces. You know what I'm talking about? Like you have this, this big puzzle. Some of you are, are puzzle fanatics, I know. Um, I am not one of them because I just don't have the patience for a puzzle. But um, and there's been a few times where, you know, I, I have the, the pieces laid out and I've worked on a puzzle with, with someone and we get close to the end or at the end and we realize that piece is missing. And and then you, you start scrambling, and you look everywhere. Where Where is that piece? Where is the piece? And, and you cannot rest until you find that little piece to complete the picture. You will actually lose your mind if you just leave it as it is, right? Am I right? Like, you're going to stay up as long as it takes to find that piece and put it in so the puzzle is completed. Because you're not going anywhere else until that happens. Why? Because the picture's not complete. It's not done. It's not fulfilling its purpose. There's something lacking, and it's missing, and it's not a complete picture. It's how it is with the body of Christ. If you are in Christ, at the moment you surrendered your life to him, not only did he save you, he empowered you. He empowered you with a specific gift or or multiple gifts for you to use with your fellow body members for the building up of the body of Christ, for the furthering of his kingdom. So what that means is the picture needs you. And you may look at your life and your walk with Christ, your Christianity, and you may say, oh, it's a small insignificant piece. What, what is it really going to matter? I, I don't even think the, the rest of the body is even going to miss me. I don't even really think I have that much to contribute. Well, my brother, my sister, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Because there is no caste system in the body of Christ. We're all equally in need of grace. We're all equally in need of a Savior. We're all equally gifted by the same Spirit. It may look different from one another, but it doesn't mean this gift over here is better than that gift over there. And all of the gifts are needed to come together to make a complete, beautiful picture of the body of Christ. We need you. We need you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we see in your word such a a clear and beautiful picture of what is intended for Christ's church. I pray, Father, that those that are here today were encouraged. Pray that they were rejuvenated in some way. I pray that all of us would remember that attending church does not make us part of the body of Christ. That's not what makes us the church. Being in Christ is what makes us part of his church. And so I pray, Father, for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, myself included, that we would remember that we are the church, that we would remember and determine to be the body of Christ that we are. Help us to remember that while our individual gift set might be different, might look different than than our brother or sister around us, it doesn't mean it's any less valuable or less needed and that they need us to contribute and participate just like we need them. That it's about all of us working together, building up the body together, making a complete picture of the church that Jesus himself sees and he wants us to be. May that mark us. May that be true of us here at Faith Baptist Church. The church that gathers here in this facility, may we realize, may we remember, may we increase in our understanding that we are much more than a building or a program or a service, that we are the living body of Christ on earth, and that we have been equipped and gifted to be that body to a world that is not yet part of it. Help us in this, I pray, Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen.